Him praise. What a privilege to be in the house of God today. What a wonderful, awesome, powerful presence of God that I feel in this place today. I am thankful for that. I don't ever want to come to church and just see you. I love you, but that's not what I'm looking for. I like to be around you, but that's not what I want to feel. I want to feel the hand of God settle on this place and touch us. Amen. Why don't you turn them, shake hands with somebody and welcome them into the house of the Lord. Thank you, praise team. An awesome job again this morning. What great worship. What encouragement to worship. Amen. I love the song they sang a little while ago. I I don't know how many of you realize how much even of some of the new songs that are just taken directly out of Scripture. Revelation chapter 7 Verse 9, he said, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about... About the elders and the four beasts fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever. Amen. I love that word, Amen. I, I want to remind you of what it means. It simply means verily. And they say that when it comes at the beginning of the discourse, it means surely or truly. This is a truth. When it comes at the end, it means so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled. And it was a custom which passed over from the synagogues to the Christian assembly that when he who had read or discoursed had offered up the solemn prayer to God, the others responded amen and thus made the substance of what that was what was uttered their own so when you say it at the beginning you mean so be it and when you say it at the end you mean it's mine whatever you say it amen is in order this morning all of us should say amen Amen, amen, amen. Revelation is a great chapter. It's one of those books that you try to stay away from most of your life because you don't understand all the mysteries there. But if you read it again and again, you find that it's not quite as hard to understand as you think it is. Amen. Genesis chapter 29. If you'll turn with me for just a few moments, I'm going to try to obey my wife and my doctor. More my wife than my doctor. You ever see a bird flapping around on the ground, one wings? That's the way I feel this morning. I want to get both hands up and they just won't go up, but 
I'm thankful that I can stand in the house of God and worship the Lord today. Chapter 29 of Genesis, we're going to pick up reading in verse number 21. Before I do that, I'll be remiss. Brother and Sister Tilly, it is such a privilege to have both of you here. Longtime missionaries and pastors from Louisiana. He's going to be ministering tonight. We're just glad that they're here today. I know it's going to be a great blessing this evening. Please be mindful of that. Amen. God bless you for being here. Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast, and it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that thou hast done to me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilda, his handmaid to be her maid. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the beauty in the undesired. The beauty in the undesired. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our text is a parable and a picture of life. And if you would just indulge me for a few moments, I want to help paint a picture again in your mind of what happened many, many years ago. I would pause a moment to please ask you to not misread what I'm going to say this morning. Uh, This is not about marrying the wrong person. Although there is a sermon, I don't think anybody would deny the fact that what you get sometimes in marriage isn't what you planned on getting. Life doesn't always work out the way we thought it was going to work out. But that's not what I want to say. So please don't misread what I'm trying to say to you. But the story of Jacob is one of the most fascinating and intriguing of all Scripture. So many things are said about Jacob that are just almost beyond Uh, understanding when we know who he was and his character, his background, uh, 
many things that he did in his lifetime to get where he was. And yet the Bible says of Jacob that Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Strange that in that man could be wrapped up such a controversy of conflict and so forth. Jacob was the younger of two brothers, and uh, you know the story of how he, growing up, tricked his brother Esau into selling him his birthright for a bowl of pottage. And, and then after that, he and his mother contrived to deceive his father so that he could receive the blessing. And then all of that was found out, and Laban had to flee, or he had to flee to Laban, his mother's brothers, to save himself. And we pick up at that particular juncture in our scripture as as he comes into the country, he comes to a well, and there he is met by a young lady by the name of Rachel. And uh, he is taken after some introduction to Laban, introduced to the rest of the family, to Leah, the other daughter. But Rachel was the one that uh, got his attention. The scripture says of Leah that she was tender-eyed. I don't know how to interpret that. Uh, Some scholars have said she was cross-eyed. Some said that uh, she had some kind of physical affliction that made her unlovely. However you want to interpret it, Leah was not a beautiful person on the outside. She was not the most attractive. On the other hand, Rachel was lovely. She was perfect in every way. And when you read Scripture, it is so descriptive. It's, <clears throat> it's almost embarrassing the way Scripture described her in her beauty, in her gracefulness, in her good looks, in her form. Everything about her was perfect. She was ideal. She was the one that captured Jacob's heart. And so after being there with Laban for a month, uh, Laban realized that they could not continue as they were. And so he said, I, I can't let you work for me for free. What, what do you want? And Jacob was very quick to tell him, I want Rachel as my wife. And so a bargain was struck and the deal was you work for me seven years and I will give you my daughter. And so he did, seven years. And the Bible said that those seven years were as nothing to him. He was so in love and he was so enamored with what was going to come and what was going to happen that uh, it, it seemed as nothing. And then the wedding comes and the great festivities that accompanied weddings of that day and all of the things that happened. And then there was that final evening. The festival comes to an end and the marriage is to be consummated. And Jacob goes into his tent. What he goes in thinking he's going into is that love of his life that he has worked seven years for. But the Bible says that in the morning, Leah, in the morning, Leah, imagine, if you will, 
First of all, I can't even imagine how this happened, how a guy could spend all night with a woman and not know she's not who he thinks she is, but somehow that happened. Whether he was drunk, I have no idea. I don't want to imagine anything vain here this morning, but can you imagine the shock of waking up in the morning and looking over next to you in bed And the person that you thought you had married is not there. But this other tender-eyed thing. This has worked my mind over all week long. The utter shock... And it is, it is evident when he, when the scripture says in the, in the Hebrew, it said, and in the, in the morning, behold, that word registers shock. Jacob's mind was blown that he had been tricked. He had been deceived and his dream had turned into a nightmare. Now, we can say, and we probably would all agree, that Jacob got his due reward, that the conniving was connived and the cheater was cheated. We can say that he was receiving the poetic justice that he deserved. But, you know, the reality is that in life, that happens to all of us. We go to bed thinking one thing, And we wake up to face another. Something that was unplanned, unwanted, unthought of, unconceivable. Rachel represented everything that Jacob desired. The plans that worked out the way he wanted them to work out. Jacob saw in Rachel all of the desires of his heart fulfilled. He knew that his life would be better because of Rachel. He knew that he had lost a lot of things in leaving his family, but he had now found it all in this woman. And now the time for things to come together seemed to be in order. And if he only had her, finally, finally something would be right in his life. And if he had her, life would have meaning and purpose and life would be fixed. Things would be all right. Only to wake up with the rude awakening that life has dealt him an unjust thing. Marrying Rachel, waking up to Leah. Leah represents the unlovely things of life. Leah was a substitute, and a poor substitute to say the least. She was the tender-eyed one, the one no one wanted, the undesired, the unlovely. She was not what Jacob chose. She was not what Jacob expected. She was certainly not what Jacob wanted. And when you read that, you think of what treachery and what unfairness and what Deceit had gone into pulling off something so wicked as that. 
And yet the unexpected far too often happens to show up in all of our lives in ways that we can't even imagine. It could be the loss of a job or the failure of a business or the loss of a child or the failure of a marriage or many other things that happen in life to us that we wake up in the morning not intending or expecting to encounter. No matter who you are, there are times life does not give you what you want. And it does not give you what you expect. And it does not bring to you what you desire. So what do you do when life throws you a curve like that? Life is much like a field where the treasure is hid. Certainly there is treasure in that field, but you have to also understand that there's also a lot of dirt involved in that field as well as the treasure. And you can't have the treasure without the dirt. And so it is with life. We focus so much of our spiritual attention and our energy on the one thing that we want and we do not bargain into all of the other things that are included with those things that we want. The unwanted, the unplanned, the undesired. Life is like a net dragged through the sea and you pull in all kinds of things, good and bad. Things that you want and many things that you don't want. And often in life, we get what we did not choose. We did not want this. We did not plan this. This is not what we had in mind. This is not how we envisioned our future. And yet the reality is... Here we are. We find what we've not been looking for. What do you do when you wake up and find Leah? You can get mad. That's what a lot of people do. They get mad. They're mad at life. They're mad at people. And they're hard to live with. They're ugly. They're vindictive. They're mean. You can fight it. You can strike out at it. You can run from it. Act like it didn't happen. Dream that it didn't happen. Or you can allow Leah to do what Leah was designed to do. Leah was going to produce more in Jacob's life than Rachel ever would. Now you hear me this morning. There's a lot of things about life that are unfair. There's a lot of things about life that don't make sense. And you can point your finger at your family tree and you can point it to genealogies and bloodlines and blame it on this or that. But the bottom line is there is no one that lives in this world that's not going to go through some Leah encounters in your life. And it's what you learn to do with them that will determine whether you succeed or fail, whether you win or lose, whether you make it or you're lost. Amen. What you do in those moments is telling. We do not generally look to find God in moments like that. We do not generally look or expect to find God's hand upon us during those times. More often than not, we are devastated, we are distressed, we are 
disillusioned, we are discouraged, we despised it, we de- we're depressed over it, we're angry about it, we are, we're hurt, we are frustrated, we are confused. But seldom do we look at Leah and thank God that it has happened to us. And yet through it all, somehow it worked out. After working so hard for two to three times what the going rate for a wife was at that time. That's what Jacob did. Seven years was two to three times what any man would have to pay to to bargain for a wife back then. And yet what came of his labor, how unfair and how wrong. He marries Rachel and in the morning he finds Leah. Not what he expected, not what he wanted, not what he planned. That's how life is many times. It's not about who you marry. That's not what I'm talking about. It's about the unplanned events and things that happen in our life that no one in their right mind would have factored that into your life plan. Nobody thinking you know, and planning for the future could imagine life going in that direction and yet the reality is many of you are having to live out in some instance a nightmare you're having to live out the unthinkable in your own life you're having to deal with things today that if you had been told this two or three years ago you would have laughed at them and said there's no way that's going to happen to me and yet the reality is We go to bed thinking one thing. We wake up to face another. So what do we learn from Jacob? First of all, I think we have to learn and understand that this was a moment of revelation for Jacob. Jacob said to Laban, Why have you deceived me? And as those words are coming out of his mouth, A revelation comes. The word translated deceived in the Hebrew is the same word that's used in chapter 27 to describe what Jacob did to Isaac, his father. And coming out of his own mouth were the very things that he himself had been involved in. It was a revelation. One commentator suggests that it must have occurred to Jacob that Laban had only done to him what he had done to his father Isaac. In the dark, Jacob thought he was touching Rachel as his father in the dark of his blindness had thought he was touching Esau. It was a revelation of who he was. It was an understanding. This is what one rabbi commentator said. Imagine the conversation the next day between Jacob and Leah. Jacob said to Leah, I called out Rachel in the dark and you answered. You answered. Why did you do that to me? And Leah said to him, your father called out Esau in the dark and you answered. Why did you do that to him? Fury dies on Jacob's lips and suddenly he sees that the evil he has done to Esau and Isaac has now come upon him. 
and Jacob sees what it is like to be manipulated and deceived and so he meekly works another seven years. And this is what the commentator said. God can use the hurt and the pain in your life to show you yourself. And sometimes that's a revelation. Amen. But that wasn't all. It was out of Leah that came his most fruitful blessing. What would the history of the Jewish people be without the children born to the unwanted and the undesired thing? Believe it or not, what was happening to him was helping to shape him to be who he was to be and to make every promise that God had made to him come to pass. When the Lord had revealed himself to him and told him he was going to make of him a great nation, he could not imagine that out of this undesired, unwanted, unintended, unplanned circumstance would come some of the greatest blessings that could be passed on to the history of the world. And it came out of Leah. It came out of that unwanted experience, that unplanned situation. The truth is we most often find God not in our pleasure but in our pain. When we're suffering and we're hurting and when we're disappointed and when we're frustrated, that's when we have some of the most powerful encounters with God. And so God uses the unwanted. He uses the undesired, the unloved to produce that which nothing else could produce. He produced a priesthood. He produced the Messiah out of that relationship. He produced praise. All of that came out of this unplanned, unwanted, undesired situation. I I had to write them. There were seven of them that were born to Leah. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dinah. Seven is the number of perfection. And the only way that God could bring Jacob to the place that he needed him to be was for him to have a Leah in his life that would help bring out of him the things that were needed for a whole nation, not just for himself. Salvation was wrapped up in that. The salvation of the world, the salvation of the man, Jesus Christ, the lineage of the Christ child would come from Judah who was born out of Leah. The Levitical priesthood from which we get the service of the house of the Lord and the many blessings that come with that service, all of that came out of this situation with Leah. Praise. Judah, known as the company of praise, the leader of worship, it came out of this unplanned, undesired, unwanted situation. I've had people say sometimes, you know what, when things get better, I'll praise him. No, you won't. 
No, you won't. You're never going to praise him. If you can't praise him while you're living in hell, you can't praise him when you get to heaven. If you don't learn how to praise him in the midst of your tears and sorrows, if you don't let something be birthed in you out of that experience, if you don't let something happen that will transform your life and put you in the place God wants you to be, then it doesn't matter how much good God does in your life, the good will be wasted. Because you did not capitalize on what God brought into your life to help make you who you need to be. Amen. My compassion, my compassion, my love for people, my love for family, my love for life, my patience, what little bit I have, my sympathy the deep sympathy that I feel, has not come out of everything working out the way I wanted it to work out. It's the result of pain and suffering and disappointment and rejection and having people lie about you and spread rumors about you. It's been the many unplanned things that come in life People look at you and they laugh. They used to laugh at my brother and I. Everybody always said he and I were accident prone. And he has had a few. I will have to admit, he has had a few. You know, after a while, people look at you and they say something like that. And it's not funny. It's not funny. Because you know that you weren't doing anything wrong to get struck by lightning. You know that you weren't doing anything wrong and something happened to your body and it quits working like it's supposed to work. And people look at you and they kind of snicker and say, ah, you know, it's just in your bloodline. No, it's not in your bloodline. It's the Leahs that everybody in this building is having to live with in some form. It might not be a person. It might be a thing. It may be a situation you're going through. It may be a problem in your life right now, something that you had no idea was coming. You went to bed one night happy as a lark. You woke up the next morning facing the most unthinkable thing in life. So what are you going to do? You're going to get bitter? You're going to cast your finger at God and, and, and cry out against Him like so many do? Are you going to become more reprobate in your mind than what you might already be? Are you going to let God use that to bless you and transform you and make you into the person that God designed you to be? I said it. I'm going to say it again. I believe when we get to heaven, And we look back over our life. If God gives us the opportunity to see the whole of our life, we're going to want to go back and hug and kiss everybody that ever hurt us, ever let us down, ever disappointed us, ever lied on us. Because it was that lie 
that put us on our knees and made us seek God like we had never sought Him before. It was that pain that put us on our face until we were able to break through to God and out of our being came praise. Out of our innermost being came worship. We could have been bitter. We could have been angry. We could have been mad. We could have lost our mind. But instead out of our mouth comes this praise and adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're going to look back over your life and you're going to realize that all of those pains that you've gone through and all of that hurt that you've endured was for a divine purpose to birth in you your greatest blessings. Rachel only gave him two children. And if you read the names of what those children mean and the even gave him a servant to have a child by. And the children, the names that came were nothing compared to what Leah found. What, what was discovered in Jacob's life out of this unwanted situation became the greatest blessing. And this is the catcher. When it came to the end of his life and he knew his time was up, He said, I want you to take my bones and I want you to take them back to my homeland. He did not ask to be buried by Rachel, the one he loved. He said, I want you to take my bones back and bury them in the grave with Abraham and with Leah. Because he had come to understand in his life that all of that stuff he had gone through, he would not have become the man that he was if it had not been for him learning how to deal with that kind of adversity in his life. Life's not fair. Never has been. And I I don't know. I guess I'm losing sympathy. Sometimes I just want to go kick people in the seat of the pants. I want to yank that bottle out of their mouth. I want to get that pacifier and throw it out the window and say to them, would you grow up? Would you look around and understand that God has had his hand on your life And every nook and cranny of your life, every turn of your life has been orchestrated of God. And the one that God loved, he allowed him to go through some twists and turns in life that are almost unthinkable. But it was all in the producing of the great blessing that would be passed on, not just in his life, but to future generations. Can you imagine what you could do to future generations if you could somehow take the bitterness that's come into your life and take the disappointments and the hurt and translate them, let the Spirit of God translate them into a blessing, into something that will help make your life more fruitful, what would be passed on. To generations to come. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. The beauty in the undesired. The beauty in the undesired. Isaiah said this. 
in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, speaking of Messiah, speaking of Christ's child, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And yet today, the most beautiful name, the most lovely, peaceful, peace-giving name that I know is the name of Jesus. He became the undesired, the unloved, the unwanted, so that you and I could understand the real depth of His love to all of us. If somehow you could fall in love with Him, you would find the greatest blessings of your life will flow out of that relationship. Amen. Lift up your hands to the Lord and praise Him right now. Would you do that? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. 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 Help us, Lord, not to waste our sorrows.